Welcome to the That's Deep podcast. I'm Naomi, and I'm an international board-certified life and success coach, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, or NLP, as you've heard it, an empath, a mother, an introvert, and a podcast host. It is my mission to empower humans from the inside out through inner and outer exploration. Thank you so much for being here. If you love the show, please give it a follow and a five-star rating. I appreciate you so much. Now let's dive in. Pardon the interruption, but I have a really quick question for all of you. What type of empath are you? If you're not sure and you haven't taken my empath quiz yet, you can certainly do so at thatsdeepco.com backslash empath dash quiz. And I will also leave a link for it in my show notes. When you take the quiz, you'll find out your type and you'll also be sent a free guided meditation that corresponds to your specific empath type. Thank you so much. And I look forward to helping you find out your type. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to invite you to connect with me on Instagram at naomicourtney.co. Again, that's at naomicourtney.co on Instagram. Thank you. So welcome, everyone, to another episode of That's Deep. I'm super excited because I am going to welcome a special guest to the podcast today, and her name is Sonata Yasmin Beasley from The Boundless Flow, and she is a yoga instructor, and you're going to have to correct me on how to pronounce this, Ayurvedic? Ayurvedic? Uh, Ayurveda, yeah. Ayurveda, yeah, she's, um, you're an Ayurvedic um, practitioner in the making, right? Mm-hmm. Sweet. And she lives on the island of Kauai in Hawaii. So she's the founder and author of The Boundless Flow. Um, and that's an alternative and holistic health website and blog. So thank you so much for being featured on our podcast. Welcome, Sonata. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Sweet. How are you doing today, first off? Oh, I'm doing good. It's such a beautiful day out today. It is. I'm actually really stoked to be podcasting with someone who's like from, or you know, we're on the same island. Yeah. That is so. Yeah, it's it's so nice out today, and I was doing yoga on the beach earlier, and that was that was really fun. Nice. What uh, what beach were you at? I was right behind the Marriott in Kapaa, or right here oh, in Wailua. Nice. Yeah. I actually um I got married at that Marriott actually like a couple years ago. Oh, cool. Yeah, the courtyard. Yeah. Um, I live right up in the homestead, so I'm right in this area. Oh, sweet. Nice. I love the homesteads. My father-in-law lives up there, and I actually live in, like, the Kapa'a, like, Kapahi area, kind of somewhere in between there. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, I live, like, right in, kind of, like, where Kapahi meets Suailua. Oh, my God. That's, like, my dream, like, my favorite spot, like, ever. Like, I want to, like, move up there. I love the mountains. I bet it's just, like, gorgeous up there. Yeah, this place was such a score. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to hop all in and ask you some questions about your story and your background. So where are you from and what do you do for a living? Uh, so I was born in Sacramento, California, and then I moved here to Kauai when I was uh, 12, just about to turn 13. And right now I um, do one-on-one private yoga sessions that are tailored to my clients' needs, along with um, I'm just starting a new job, helping a friend, a yoga teacher friend, set up his social media. And then I'll also be teaching classes down at the Marriott starting next week. Oh, nice. Well, congratulations. I'm so excited for like all of your, you know, just like business growth, but I'm sure it's a lot of spiritual growth as well, right? It goes hand in hand. So much work. So much yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So let's see. What did you do before you started your business? Like what you currently do? Um, I was working at the kombucha bar down in Wailua. And so they're actually, the owner of that place is really into bhakti yoga and Ayurveda. So that was actually part of the reason and how I got on this path was I was living with my mom and going to high school and stuff and I'd go down to the kombucha bar and there's all these people who are like Krishna devotees and 
uh, bhakti yoga practitioners and stuff like that down there. And they would just talk my ear off and tell me about these ideas that I had just, I'd never even heard of before. And it was so expansive. And yeah, that's what I was doing. And then I graduated high school a year early. I did an internship with the DLNR. Um, I was really into environmentalism, but I realized during that um, time of being there with the DLNR that the issues that we are facing in the world, we really need to come at them from a different point of view. We're always trying to change the outside. And all of these issues are manifesting from what's going on within us as humans. And so that's when I started realizing that going on a path of healing people was going to be more powerful and help the earth even more. So I love that. I am just like, <laughs> oh, like I love everything you just said. Like I have been kind of reflecting a lot about the same thing, you know, like what if we look within? What if we look within? I always tell my husband that, you know, like we're so quick to be like, this is all the things that you should change on the outside. But, you know, it's kind of magical when you start on the inside. I, I hate to say that word to you because, you know, I feel like there's, I don't know, like, what do you think about like the stigma or the stereotypes around spirituality and for people that maybe don't have the knowledge about it yet? Well, I definitely feel like a lot of the stereotypes, I mean, they're real. And there's a lot of people that are using spirituality as a cover up. And they're what I like to call like they're spiritually bypassing. They're using spirituality to, they're like to love and light, you know, when we really have to go into the shadow and do that shadow work, it's so important. We can't always just be in this space of positivity, using the positivity blanket to cover up the things that are hindering us and hindering the people around us. Yeah. So like, you know, there is a stigma around it, uh, but some of the stigma, I feel like the spiritual community has created for ourselves, <laughs> so. <laughs> I like that. I like, you have a really cool perspective on things. I'm really happy that you're on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So I know you've told us a little bit about what you're working on, but like, is there anything else that you're really working on, like in your personal life and then in your business? Um, in my personal life, I'm really just learning how to let go of the control and try to just give things up to something that's higher than myself. That's where like the devotion, the bhakti part of yoga comes in. And for me, like control has been one of the biggest thing, like and FOMO, fear of missing out and just wanting to always be there and be in things and have my hands on them and just have that control over things. And so I'm really working on letting that go and also even with my spiritual journey I've wanted to be in control of it and I've been so like knowledge thirsty and just trying to force the knowledge to come to me and now I'm just trying to go on my path and allow it to come as it as it needs to rather than have all this information and then I'm like so scattered brain and not even think yeah thinking like way in the ether i'm trying to be more grounded in my mind space and then with my business it's just the same thing i mean i'm so new to all of this so i'm i'm still in the trenches and i have to be okay with that yeah yeah totally no i i commend you for really doing like all of the work you know like just as a whole person because i feel like I mean, if you don't do some of that deeper, darker, like darker shadow work, I mean, it's hard to heal and move on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I've just been thinking about this. I need to ask what high school or like middle school or what school did you go to here? Because I'm like, where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I went to Kapaa Middle and Kapaa High. That's crazy. So did I. So that's how I feel like. <laughs> You're probably going to make me feel super old, but <laughs> what year did you graduate high school? 2017. Okay, cool, cool. And it was I, a year early, so I was supposed to graduate with 18. 18. Nice. That's sweet. We probably, like, I have cousins that are maybe a little bit older, like a couple years older than you, but yeah, I'm, I'm actually a 09 grad. Cool. Yeah, I probably know, I probably know someone in your family. Like, it's so hard not to know someone in everybody's family around here. 
is so cool. That's that's also neat that you said you came here like in middle school, right? Because like so did I. I actually lived on Oahu before I moved here. And so I kind of have that probably like similar experiences moving, you know, middle school, new place. Unless I don't know. But were you here before or uh no, I yeah, I had only visited the island one time before and I grew up like smack dab in the middle of downtown Sacramento and California and it was I yeah I had only been here when I was eight so then when I came here it was such a surprise for me I was expecting Honolulu and I got countryside (laughs) (laughs) that's so neat okay well on that note like what's it like for you then like living in Hawaii like tell us just about your experience you know living here well, it was so hard for me in the beginning. It was, it, the culture is so different and the speed that people live at is completely different. So I always like to tell people in Sacramento or in California and any of the big cities in California, you're either loud or you're not heard. And it's not like that here. Um, so I came here and I had this big personality, like, and I, I was loud. I was a performer all my life. Um, I started dancing when I was four. So I've li- and my dad's a musician. So I've literally been on stage since I was like straight out of the womb. And um, so I just had that big personality and a lot of people didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and also like I'm black and that had a lot to do with how people viewed me because a person of color coming from an inner city in California is there's a lot of stereotypes around what that how that person is going to be um so I dealt with that a lot with people but ultimately I wouldn't change it for a thing because I would not it it would have been a harder journey I feel like in Sacramento and in California because I think I would have gone a Uh, into the academia a lot and I would have gone to college and it would have been a lot it would have taken a lot longer for me to get to the place where I am emotionally um because I just would have never even faced any of the things that I've had to face just from slowing down my speed of how fast I was going yeah totally no I like that like I feel like that's something that a lot of people say like when they move here they're like it, it I've slowed down you know it's forced me to slow down in the best ways mm-hmm. yeah okay well I just want to get into like more of a fun round of personal questions so our listeners can get to know you better so who is one of your biggest inspirations to you and why um there's a two people so my teacher first and foremost of course uh, her name is Myra Lewin and they actually lived on Kauai and just moved to New Zealand um, like two months ago but she's an older woman who's been practicing Ayurveda and yoga for I, I believe around 30 years a little bit more than 30 years and um, I just love the way that she's been able to merge Ayurveda and yoga and really bring out the fullness of the culture and really respect the culture also of yoga and Ayurveda and it's super traditional and she lives and breathes Ayurveda like down to the how they planned our lessons were down to the Ayurvedic doshic times of day and I just think that's so inspiring because they're really just bringing back the they're really bringing back that high vibrational ancient living and it's so beautiful. They have a farm and they grow most of their food and everything else they get locally, even like their grains, they try to get everything grown in the United States. If they can, um, they grow their own herbs and that's goals. (laughs) And then this, and she, and even though like, um, she's older and stuff they still have a really nice online presence and that's inspiring of course too and the second person is another Ayurvedic practitioner and her name is Sahara Rose and she was really the reason why I took the leap to get my training in Ayurveda and that's how I actually met my teacher was because this other woman inspired me to um, take this path and she's a digital entrepreneur who also has the two top selling books in Ayurveda 
and um, a podcast that's really big. And she just really inspires me also to do the online entrepreneur part. And the way she set up her business is just so sustainable for herself. And I want to be able to have that also. That is so neat. I love that. And what's, uh, I just, it just hit me. Um, I know that you know Amanda Rogers, right? Because you both went yeah. to, is it Hale Pule? Is that what it was, it was called? Yeah, Hale Pule. Nice. Yeah, that is so neat. And so for our listeners, um, we also had Amanda, who's also a yoga instructor, and she went to the same, uh, would you call it a school or like, what did you guys call it? Yeah, yeah I would call it a alternative school. Yeah, I mean, it like, it's an immersive school though, right? Like you were like there for a month, like living, breathing, like everything, right? Yeah, everything Ayurveda, like I said, down to the doshic times of day, they planned the lessons that we learned and the times that we did yoga and we would do 5 a.m. Um, chanting and meditation. Uh, it was life-changing. Nice. Okay, well, I am going to totally ask you a ton of questions about that in a little bit. But um, on the whole, like, I don't know how to call this. Like, maybe it's, is it like spiritual self-care to you? Like doing, you know, the meditations, the chanting. Um, I don't know if you use affirmations at all, like that kind of thing. What, what do you call that, like routine? I call it, for me, like I just call it ritual. And it's, I say that because it can be anything really that connects you to that part of yourself that has unconditional love and happiness and so jumping around a little bit um when you were a little kid what did you want to be when you grew up i wanted to be a dancer like a performer or a scientist (laughs) i love that okay so into science like ever since i was like six (laughs) nice and i feel like that's that's totally like coming out and everything that you do now though like so yeah definitely because i would say ayurveda and yoga are observational sciences they shift based on what you're observing i love that love it cool okay what is your favorite song right now if you can't think of a favorite song maybe like a musical artist that's a favorite well, right now, I'm just, I've just been obsessed with Erica Badu and her album Mama's Gun. I'm also expanding and listening to her other albums, but Erica Badu is my auntie, like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I, I say. Erica. Like, I remember um, in college, I had a friend that was like, hey, like, I can, I could burn you a CD, like Erica Badu, and I was like, <laughs> yes, like, you know, nowadays we turn down, like, you know, getting a CD burned for us, but not Miss Badu, so. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what are your astrological signs? Well, this is a little bit of a hard question for me to answer, because right now, I'm actually learning that the signs are a little bit off in Western science or in Western astrology um, because they don't account for like this 100 year shift, but they do account for it in Vedic astrology, which is the astrology that was created when Ayurveda and yoga were emerging also. Um, So I believe in Vedic astrology, I am a rising in Gemini, a sun in Gemini, a moon in Cancer, a Mercury, Mars, and Venus all in Cancer. So Gemini and Cancer are like my signs. Nice. My mom's a Gemini and we're like, we're super tight. I love Geminis. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But in Western astrology, I'm a Cancer. Ah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. But you still have a little bit of that in your the, but I still have like a lot of cancer like four planets in it in, yeah yeah um, eastern so sweet okay all right let's see Ooh. what are some of the limiting beliefs that you're working through at the moment and like you totally don't have to share ones that are maybe too personal to you if you don't want to but yeah well honestly there's it's really just comes down to one thing right now and I'm just working a lot on self-worth and knowing my worth and setting boundaries and putting setting myself up in a way that will be sustainable for myself and knowing that I'm worth that and that I deserve that 
Absolutely. I love that. I feel like that's something that I'm constantly trying to, you know, work on and build and maintain. So mm -hmm. more power to you. <laughs> Everybody you. else doing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. How about this? What are the major things that scare you, but they challenge you too? Hmm. Well, recording myself for social media. <laughs> And talking into the camera, I do it, but it's, I'm always like super cheesing because I'm so nervous. <laughs> hey, at least you have a smile on your face. Like I, I can't tell, like you do a great job when you make your videos on IG. Like I love it. Thank you. And I'm going to be uh, building a course soon for, to sell online, a coaching course. And um, I'll have to record a lot of videos of myself. So I'm trying to get more comfortable doing it on IG and stuff before I expand into um, building that. Yeah. Well, okay. If, if you don't like, if you're not like, if you don't have any secrets about it yet. Like, are you able to share a little bit more about what this course is like a sneak peek? Yeah, it's going to be a three month course and it's going to be focusing on uh, applying Ayurveda in your everyday life. Um, a bigger focus on the nutritional philosophies and the reasons why we eat the way that we eat in Ayurveda. And then along with that, there will be um, courses, or not co courses, sorry. Along with that, there'll be coaching and helping break through limiting beliefs that are holding us back from doing things that out of self-love that we need that we know that we need in our lives nice i love that um where can our listeners find out you know more information from you or where can they find you on social media and online um you can find me at the boundless flow uh, ig spelled t-h-e-b-o-u-n-d-l-e-e -E -E, or no l-e-s-s-f-l-o-w on IG and then Facebook, same thing. And my website is just boundlessflow.com. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, you guys definitely need to check that out. I just, I love looking forward to checking out what you have like every day as far as content and like your vibe is just really chill and nice. So I think all of our listeners will appreciate that too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So your Instagram feed is amazing. You are totally creative. Like where do you get the creative spark from? And how do you find creative inspiration? I definitely get the creative spark uh, from going out into nature and spending a lot of time outside, um, but also just communicating with my community and all the other yogis and Ayurvedic practitioners and just everyone in the spiritual community in general. I have a business coach and she's awesome and helps me keep that motivation going a nice. lot. And then music inspires me so much too. I love that. Um, do you have a passion for like photography and modeling as well? Cause I just mean like, not only are you creative, but like you're intelligent and you're gorgeous. So it's like, how, like, <laughs> how do you do this? Thank you. I definitely 100% have a passion for photography. I think it comes a little bit with the the day and age we live in but like maybe I wouldn't have connected with it as much if we didn't have these phones that take such awesome photos uh, on us all the time but I definitely since I've gotten more and more into building my Instagram feed I've just found such a love for capturing nature I'm going to make nature porn a thing yeah. <laughs> I swear, like I used to live in Oregon and it was a thing. So, <laughs> okay. So we are going to shift gears a little bit and I'm just going to quickly riff on some person, uh, some personality type um, information. So this is also a personality type podcast. And before this interview, Sonata uh, took this Myers-Briggs assessment to see what her personality type was. And what did you find out? I found out I am an extrovert and also it said something about a judge. I don't know exactly what that means. And then also like 
I I feel with my or I communicate with my feelings a lot I believe oh yeah no that's awesome I'm so sorry I didn't mean to like quiz you or anything like that I just I just <laughs> yeah I'm an ENFJ or INFJ but girl good job <laughs> awesome. uh, nice okay yeah so I just want to let everyone know that by learning our personality type, um, we can use it as a tool to understand how we learn information and how we make decisions. So, you know, AKA our brain's inner wiring. So by understanding your inner wiring, you can better understand your needs at a core level so you can experience and feel more satisfaction in your life in general, right? So that, that sense of self um, in your career, right? It can help you to understand and hold space for maybe how different other people are, you know? Because for a long time, I feel like when I was working, I, I'm very introverted, very sensitive, but I'm also like kind of have that extroverted side to me too. So it was always a hard balance for me. And like, I never just, I, I always felt like different than other people. Like I, I had like issues with like not feeling like I fit in completely, you know, like I had friends, but on the inside, I always felt like a little different. And I can attribute it now to like having different brain wiring than everybody else, you know, like all of us are not perceiving the world in the same way. We're not always learning information in the same way. And we're not always making decisions based on the same thing. So understanding that through personality types has totally helped me a lot. Yeah. But um, it can help you in your relationships too. And if you're a parent, it can also help you with that also. So back to Sonata. She is an ENFJ in the Myers-Briggs personality type system. So here are some fun facts about the ENFJ, and you can interrupt me too, so not if you um, want to, but I'll open it up at the end to just see how this all resonated with you. Okay, so the four-letter code, ENFJ, if it's broken down, um, she's extroverted, intuitive, she's a feeler, and a judger. And I, well, I hate like that word because it's, it's not that you're like a judgy person, but I'm going to explain what that means in a second. So... Um, ENFJs, they're one of the rarer types. Uh, they're roughly 2 to 3% of the population. They are warm, engaging, charismatic, and often talkative and persuasive. They're often dubbed socially savvy as they're excellent um, at both reading into and establishing rapport with other people. Uh, their great insight makes them excellent teachers, counselors, managers, and even salespeople. They are blessed with having the skill of people skills. They create and foster supportive culture amongst families, communities, and other groups of people. They are highly attuned to the specific needs of people. And if um, they're not careful, sometimes they can maybe like lose themselves in the needs of other people because they're just so tuned in. They're really good at identifying the needs of people, including themselves. And they're really great at helping other people to build healthy boundaries. Although sometimes I think you can probably, uh, you know, like confirm this sonata as far as like, holding personal boundaries, right? Like you're so focused on everybody else, but it's hard to create personal boundaries for yourself and your energy sometimes. Yeah, definitely hard. And yeah. I'm definitely working on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the ENFJ, they find it really easy to help others feel safe, loved, and stable uh, because they're so tuned into emotions. So they make great shoulders to cry on. They're often the go-to person in times of crisis. They're great at understanding what is expected of themselves and others. And this often comes from the lifelong study of learning what offends people versus what makes them feel comfortable. Um, they're often popular in social situations and settings because they can help keep the conversation going without leaving anyone out. Um, they have an understanding that people come from different experiences. They're great at seeing things from different perspectives, especially from the perspective of others. They have the gift of deep insight. They're excellent at conflict management and they're great at diagnosing problems and formulating solutions that can um, you know, help foster personal growth. They have a desire to support and help others, and they have a desire for self-mastery, and they're driven by social novelty and networking with people. So how does all of those facts resonate with you, Sonata? Definitely sounds like a Gemini Cancer person. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. I always wondered like, how this Myers-Briggs personality type stuff like, matched up with other systems, you know? Yeah, definitely. And it also sounds a little bit like, I mean, as far as Ayurvedic, it sounds a little bit like air and kapha, or so vata and kapha tendencies. Cool. Is, is that like your mind-body type a combination, or is it or similar to I, that? I definitely have a lot of vata in my constitution, 
but I would say that I have honestly I should check in with my teacher or someone else because it, it kind of is hard to tell who what your own dosha because it's so yeah. it's so hard to analyze yourself with complete clarity but I think I'm a little bit more pitta right now but I'm also just entering the pitta time of life which is like in your 20s and pretty much till like your 50s so of course I'm gonna have more fire in my constitution right now in this time of my life yeah interesting Ooh, okay I have more um mind body type questions for you later yeah I want to talk all about the doshas later okay Let's wrap up the personality type. So I was just wanting to explain that whole like judger um, explanation, but mm -hmm. let me just kind of start by breaking down the whole like introverted, extroverted, you know, sensing, intuitive, because that can get kind of like, I don't know, personality type techie, but uh, let me just explain it real quick. So introversion versus extroversion. So that represents like opposite directions of energy flow and attention. So like an introvert, their energy flow and attention is inwardly directed. Um, and if you're an extrovert, you know, it's outwardly directed. And then as far as sensing and intuition, so you're an intuitive, um, these functions are responsible for retrieving or receiving information. So for intuitives, you're comfortable with theorizing and um, speculating on what could be, extrapolating implications from only a few points of data. They tend to trust their gut or hunches when they get that information. And sensors, um, you know, they have intuitive abilities as well, everybody does. Um, but they've been reported to trust more reliable data or information, and I put quote-unquote reliable, you know, air quotes, um, but they're comfortable using their five senses and things that can really be verified in the real world, so they're like masters of historical information. Um, and then the feeling versus thinking, it deals with how you make decisions, so all thinkers feel and all feelers think, but feelers prefer to use personal human-based considerations in making decisions, and then thinkers, they prefer impartial, um, impersonal data and metrics, right? Just the logic. Um, they focus more on the concrete data rather than emotions when making decisions. And then perceiving versus judging, right? The whole perceiver-judger thing. Um, the J part of your personality type, that deals with how you focus on organizing your world. So as a judger, you'll organize your outer world so that you can allow more inner world freedom. And you're focused on you know, the future, the past, and you prefer to follow plans and maybe uncomfortable when you don't know what to expect. How does that resonate? I definitely feel that's like so on point for me, like the judger part, especially, like that's what I'm doing right now in my business is I'm really trying to set it up so that I can be more just with myself and with nature and be flowing in the future. Yeah, totally. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah, so that's wrapping up the personality type segment of the podcast. Um, what? Any any other comments? Or I feel like you've said some pretty valuable things today. Yeah, I, I just really like it. I'm gonna definitely read more. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of information at first, but um, you know, I feel like there's a lot of good like information out there. Like if you ever check out Personality Hacker, um, that's where I get a lot of my research from. So yeah, cool. Yes. Okay. So now I want to ask you all about being a yoga instructor and an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner. So what does a day in the life look like for you as a yoga instructor and an Ayurvedic practitioner in the making? Well, I usually get up as early as I can, usually around seven. And I do my morning practices. I do pranayam, so breathing techniques, and then meditation for anywhere between five to 20 minutes and then I go into a nice yoga flow really just doing the poses that my body is asking me to do and then like getting into my trouble spots which is like I have like a lot of tightness in the backs of my hips and in my butt and so I really try to get into that and then I have breakfast if I do have a class to teach in the morning then I, I go do that and then I do my private sessions after my morning routine, have lunch around one o'clock. Um, and yeah, it's pretty laid back. And then I pretty much do computer work, like blog stuff, com, um, website stuff and Instagram. So yeah, cool. It's okay. laid back. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. That sounds like an awesome day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yoga is really about 
on a physical level, it's about calming the nervous system and kind of resetting the way that energy moves through your body. And when we do that, whether we need to speed up the energy or we need to slow down and rein in the energy, through doing that in our everyday lives, we're able to react at a more grounded and level-headed place. So because our nervous system controls our hormonal output and our emotional reactions are based on our hormonal output, when we practice yoga, we're able to, I'm even at the point where, because I have like really high anxiety, I'm at the point where if I'm having an anxiety attack, I can literally sit there, sit in the anxiety and feel the adrenaline literally just pumping through my veins as if someone just put a needle in me and just pumped adrenaline into me and just sit with it and know that it's going to pass. Wow. So that's, that's that, what it's about. <laughs> that is amazing. I feel like yoga has totally been like the pillar in helping me with my anxiety too. So thank you for like being open and vulnerable and sharing, you know, about your anxiety because I feel like it's a lot of, it's, it's something that we, a lot of people struggle with and maybe they don't talk about. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So now what's in Ayurvedic practitioner and like, what do they do? So most Ayurvedic practitioners also study yoga. It's pretty rare to find an Ayurvedic practitioner who's never studied yoga before because they actually come from the same books and there are these four ancient books called the Vedas. And then there's the Upanishads, and then there's the Gita, and then there's all these other books that filter the Yoga Sutras that filter down from the Vedas. But an Ayurvedic practitioner is someone who uses the elements, so air, ether, fire, water, and earth, to understand the ailments that are going on in a person's body. So Ayurveda is really about healing the physical body. And then yoga is you do, you practice Ayurveda so that the physical body doesn't have as much ailments so that in yoga, you're able to sit in meditation longer and you're able to hold the poses longer and you're able to get rid of toxins from the body, which creates stiffness. So you're able to go deeper into the poses of yoga. Um, What was I going to say about that? (laughs) <laughs> I kind of lost I kind of lost my train of thought but um yeah so ayurveda is kind of the support system that's what I was going to say ayurveda is kind of like the support system that allows us to find the self realization within yoga ah okay so that's the connection then between ayurveda and yoga mhm cool okay okay so I know that both yoga and Ayurveda, they've changed your life for the better. Could you explain like in what ways that it has? Well, I'll tell you a little bit more about my journey with anxiety and stuff and just how I found it. All of this is I've struggled with like having fear and deep seated fear since I was really young. I was always that kid that never wanted to do anything fun because I was like afraid of something. And then when I moved here, or even before that, like I went living in California, living anywhere really in this day and age, you witness people going on these really extreme diets, doing these juice cleanses, doing these things for their body and their image. And I was really connecting my self-worth with my body and how I looked. So as I got older, I went into becoming a really like hardcore raw vegan and vegan in general, and getting extremely obsessive about my diet to the point where it was unhealthy and it was causing me more fear than benefits. And I was getting to the point where I was only eating like a tiny portion of raw salad and that's it. It would keep me full for the whole day. I was getting little, little sleep And I thought that that meant I was healthy. I was like, oh, I only have to sleep like four hours a night and I barely have to eat and my body's still running. I must be the healthiest person ever. This diet must be so great for me. 
I was looking in the mirror and thinking I looked amazing because I was super, super skinny. But now looking back at the way I looked then, I was malnourished. Um, and so all of this kind of had a synergistic relationship with one another. Plus during this time, I was graduating high school a year early. I was participating in the International Science Fair. It was just a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself that was just creating more fear in my life and my body. So through all of that, in 2017, right after I graduated high school, around July of that year, I had a manic episode where I just broke. And I was so paranoid. I couldn't hang out with any of my friends. There was a point where I stayed inside for five days. I couldn't go anywhere without having a panic attack. It was bad. And it even makes me emotional just thinking about it because I, I just feel, and I feel the fear that I had in my body. Yeah. And so my mom sent me off the island. She was like, girl, you need to go. Like my mom had no idea how to handle what I was going through because it was a real like break of the mind. Mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't know if I was going to come back fully. So she sends me to go see my dad. My dad's like, yeah, I got this. I got this. Just get a lot of sleep. You're going to eat some good food tomorrow. Like you got this. And it helped a little bit, but what really changed my life was when his friend who I've known for a good chunk of my life, she came over and she was like, Sonata, you don't look good. What have you been going through? And I was just telling her everything that had been happening. And she was like, I think you have an extreme Vata imbalance. Like your Vata, your, the air in your body is just going rampant. It's just going crazy. And so she had me look up Dr. Vasant Laud, which is a renowned Ayurvedic practitioner from uh, New Mexico. And I was looking through all of his stuff. And I was like, wow, this really resonates. This is exactly what I'm going through. I'd lost my period. I was so constipated, honestly. I couldn't, I hadn't gone to the bathroom in like weeks. And I hadn't had my period in like three months. And um so I was just looking up all this, these symptoms of a vata imbalance. And then through synchronicity, of course, like two days after she told me that, she's like, oh my gosh, at this art studio, that's like literally a five minute walk from my dad's house. There's going to be a free um, Ayurvedic practitioner giving a speech about a little bit of an intro to Ayurveda. And just from there, it just took off. I started doing all the practices. Uh, not so much the meditation or the pranayama yet, but like self-body oil massage with sesame oil that she made with a bunch of different herbs like Brahmi and ashwagandha and different things that were going to help me. And um, I was eating the Ayurvedic diet and I was going to bed at the Ayurvedic times of day. I was just doing as much of the practices as I could. And from there, my anxiety slowly started decreasing and I slowly started to become myself again. Wow. Thank you. Like, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, your story is like, I mean, I, I'm like speechless. Like the fact that you're standing here today, you know, and like, I don't I just feel like you sharing that story is going to help so many people. You know what I mean? And like, it cannot have been easy to share that story. You know, I bet you there are some times when you weren't sure what tomorrow would look like, you know? Yeah, it was so scary. I, like, and from a spiritual level, I really think it was my ego had started growing so big that it got to a point where it just couldn't contain itself anymore. And it just, burst open yeah. and from that opening and plus I was so thin and I was so vata that I was like on that verge of where I was like my consciousness was like thinning and getting closer and closer to the density of the ether and so from my ego exploded I was super super vata and the ether just was pouring into me and it was like I was getting all of this understanding of why I was doing these things and why I was so caught up in my ego. And it just made me go crazy. Like I couldn't even handle 
understanding myself on that level. It was so scary to know that I was, that the veil was so over my eyes and then to have it lifted like that. And for me to see everything so clearly, it just made me, and already being a fearful person, you know, it just made me so scared. Yeah. And so scared to know that my body and who I am can be taken over like that and I could completely lose myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I am like, like bowing down to you right now. Like I commend oh you for all of the work that you're doing. <laughs> no, seriously, like that's huge. Thank you so much for sharing that, seriously. Thank you for opening up the space to allow me to. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Okay. So in that, like on that whole level, like what's your personal mission for your practice in this whole alternative and holistic like space? I just want, my mission is to, it's to hold space for people to have that breaking of the ego in a gentle manner and in a sustainable manner rather than how I had to do it where I had to get to the lowest point to be able to see what is called in Ayurveda or in Sanskrit ahamkara it's that part of you that lower vibrational part of you that is based on the programming of society and it's our it's our ego ahamkara means ego And I want people to be able to work through their issues that they have and their blockages emotionally, um, just in a safe and gentle environment, like I said. And then through working through that, we're going to teach them body sustainability and how to keep their vessel healthy so that they can continue on that journey without having to have physical suffering. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, well, what's body sustainability? I'm curious. So body sustainability is learning how to live the life that you want to live in a manner that is going to create longevity in your life. So it's going to be, you're going to be able to live that life for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years without being like, without coming to burnout. Like I want people to be able to, you know, like my boyfriend, he loves to go into nature and he loves to like do crazy flips off of cliffs and off of all different kinds of rope swings. And he loves dirt biking. And I tell him all the time, like, you know, if you pick up these practices that I can teach you or have someone else teach you them, you're going to be able to do those things that you love the most until you're 60, until you're 70, because your body is going to be so strong because you lived a sustainable life. I love that. That's cool. Like, I'm like, my interest is peaked now. That is, I want my body to, you know, serve. Yeah, to, yeah, and to really live your fullest into old age. So many people think that old age comes with suffering, but my teacher, I believe she's 65, and she's doing handstands, arm presses, she can do the splits, like, you know, this woman is physically strong, and she could go jump off of a rope swing and do a backflip, probably, if she wanted to. (laughs) Whoa, that is, that's awesome, yeah, my grandpa, he lived till, like, 91, and uh, he, like, I don't know if you're familiar with Okinawa, but his family is from Okinawa, and they almost like have this diet that's very like plant-based, you know? So I, I truly believe his diet was one of the reasons why he lived so long. Yeah. Um, I love those Okinawan sweet potatoes. Oh yeah. <laughs> <We're good>. yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see. I, I want to ask you, what's the simplest way, you know, for all of us new listeners, um, what's the simplest way to understand the doshas and what the mind body types are? Well, the simplest way to understand them is looking at the elements because that's what they are based off of and then looking at the qualities of the elements. So the doshas are vata, pitta, kapha, vata being air and ether, pitta being 
fire with a little bit of water, and kapha being water and earth. So what are the qualities of air and ether? It's moving, it's light, it's drying, it's constantly changing. You never know which way the wind is gonna blow. Then the qualities of fire. The biggest quality of fire is that it's transformational. It's, uh, it changes the actual density of things in this world. So it's transformation, but also it's, again, it's light, it's hot. Oh, and about vata, air is cooling, but fire is warming. It's constantly changing also. It's moving. Um, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. You can just edit that. <laughs> yeah, no, no worries. No, I love all of that. I was like, you are so in-depth. I love it. Both you and Amanda are super, like, you guys have so much knowledge with all of this, and I just really appreciate it because I had cracked open, I don't know if you, like, know that one book, um, I think it's called Pretty Happy by Kate Hudson. Is it Kate Hudson? I don't know, like, she talks a little bit about, like, the um, Ayurvedic, like, left lifestyle, but, you know, it is a little bit more, like, it has the more, like, celebrity touch on it, so I was like, I need a deeper dive, I need, like, the ancient text, so I love that I met <laughs> because this is super awesome. Yes, and I love Amanda so much. She's one of the women that I had a lot of a deeper connection with um, during the training. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, she's um, awesome. And then Kapha is water and earth. Now, water is moving, but it's only moving if the earth that's holding it allows it to be. So Kapha is a lot more stagnant it's structure, it's, it holds us. And that makes, on a mental level, it makes uh, people who have kapha dosha a lot more nurturing because they're here, here to support and to stabilize the vata and the pitta. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's what I, was, I was thinking about, so I took a little um, quiz and I don't know if it's the most accurate quiz, but it came up for my mind body type. It was um, pitta kapha, a pitta kapha combination. And I can see a lot of both, but like, I think I've always been very like kapha, like pretty chill. Like, I don't know, just not like slow moving, but you know what I mean? Just grounded. I've always kind of been the grounding presence in my family, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like people who have, um, closer connections to like Pacific Islanders, a lot of the time they are, um, more kapha dosha oh, cool small shorter people with like nice round faces you know Whoa, <laughs> crazy <laughs> yeah um let's see nutrition seems to be a huge part of practicing this lifestyle so could you explain a little bit more about what that looks like for someone who's interested in getting fully immersed in this lifestyle the ayurvedic nutrition yeah well, there are some really like awesome quick tips as far as Ayurvedic nutrition that are super supportive. I would definitely say if people want a deeper dive into it, they should definitely check out the course that I'm going to be putting out uh, probably in a, around December. Um, but like something like quick and easy is the augmenting and extractive. So augmenting vegetables are usually they're like they're more kapha vegetables they're sweet and they're bought they build our body so that can be like pumpkin squash zucchini um cucumber uh vegetables that are they're just sweeter and more hearty and then the extractive vegetables oh also grains are augmenting the extractive vegetables are bitter and pungent. So like chard, spinach, kale, uh, bok choy, all these kinds of like green vegetables, okra, um, they're going to be actually detoxing and cleanse more cleansing for our body. 
So you want to have 60% augmenting vegetables, the sweeter tasting vegetables and grain. And then you want to have six, uh, 40, sorry, 40% 40 extractive vegetables. And then also you can do a bean or a piece of meat nice. for the extractives. Um, some other things are just looking it's, it can be harder to see the elements in your food sometimes, but like snacky foods like chips, crackers, popcorn, um, anything that's really astringent. So it like kind of like makes your mouth dry when you eat it, like say bananas. Those are all vata provoking foods. They bring air into the body. Warming foods, anything that's cooked has a little bit of pitta in it because it's warm and um, but then like spicy, pungent, bitter greens, those are like pitta foods. And then anything that's like sweet, like dairy, honey, dates, um, and grains, those are all kapha foods. So you can, you kind of want to have like a balance between all three of those on your plate. Cool. I really appreciate you sharing all of that. That's super informative. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we wrap up, I want to ask you about some thoughts and advice for the listeners. So what's one of your biggest tips for someone who wants to start their own business based on their creative passion? I would say create space for that business to develop. And if that means sometimes having to go, like what I was saying, I'm going through the trenches right now. If that's what it means, then that's going to be what it takes because you have to have enough self-love to be able to put up with a short amount of time that's going to be harder on you and to have that ultimate outcome that's going to be so sustainable and good for you in the long run. Yeah. So I just say make time and space for it and don't allow things that seem like they're important, like keeping a nine to five job and things like that. Don't let those types of things stop you or just take up your time when you could be dedicating that time to starting your business. Awesome. I love that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I know you've mentioned some of your inspirations, but name one influential thought leader that you follow on social media or maybe, you know, via books or courses or coaching in terms of influence, mindset, and business. Well, for mindset and business, or for just for business, I mean, she helps me with mindset too, but for business, I would say my business coach, Kate Visser, you can find her on Instagram at Kate Visser. And then my, for like spiritual kind of stuff, um, someone that I haven't mentioned that I really, really love is a man named Shaman Durek. I love his podcast. And um, I just love that African shaman perspective of the world also. Cool. I'm going to have to check that out. He is so awesome. And he's just such a free spirit. Like he's like a big kid and that's just so cool to me. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Okay. Um, if you could give one important piece of advice to someone who's just starting on their personal development journey, what would it be? It would just be to allow. I have been a seeker in the past and it's draining and it's what leads to that ego explosion and that feeling of like just way too much information is coming in because whatever you ask for, it will come. And so I would just say, just allow it to come. Ask for allowance. Ask for ease. Ask for the answers to come when you need them and not just to come and jumble your mind all at once when it's not even necessary. Um, so yeah, just go on your path, walk your path, and don't try to force anything. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely something I'm trying to practice as well. <laughs> So, okay, this is an interesting question that I'm going to have for you. So mm -hmm. I always ask a bunch of introverts because I feel like, I'm trying to think, we have, we have had some extroverts on the podcast, but, um, you know, a lot of them have been introverts. And so as an extrovert, how do you manage your energy and make sure that you're getting your needs 
met in the external world, you know, because I feel like extroverts, you guys do like need to be energized in the external world sometimes, whether that's being out in nature or, you know, doing something like that. But how do you make sure that you're advocating for your needs as an extrovert? I like to always make time in the morning for myself. Um, that's a big one. Right now I'm trying to create boundaries for my meal timing because it's a needed one, but I need to still like be able to really set my space and I'm still trying to set my life up in a way that is going to be sustainable for the way I eat. And then lastly, like just spending time in nature is my number one go-to whenever I'm not feeling like myself, literally going up to Loop Road and floating in the last pool it's just my happy place. That or Luma High. Like. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I can already picture it. It's just, ah, yes. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for answering all of these questions. You're super insightful. You're amazing. Um, where can our audience find you? Again, on social media and online. Yeah. One more time at the Boundless Flow on Instagram. Make sure you put the Boundless Flow and on my website at boundlessflow.com and catch me around Wailua Kapa. I'll be here. <laughs> nice. All right. Thank you so much. And I appreciate you being here today. Thank you for having me. All right. Bye. Bye. What's up, everybody? It's Riley with the That's Deep Podcast. Naomi and I would love to invite you to leave a review on iTunes. Scroll down to the bottom of the page after you're done listening to the episode and find the ratings and reviews. Tap the number of stars you see fit and leave a little comment for us. At the end of each month, we'll do a little raffle and pick a lucky reviewer to receive a little gift card from us at the That's Deep Podcast, a little token of appreciation. Thank you for all your support and good luck.